1: Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Introducing ADT Self-Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today, or call (laughs) 1-800-ADT-ASAP. It's the show that somehow gets a bigger cut than Tifu. This is the E League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian. He's Seven, and we're coming at you live from a bus stop outside the E League studios.
0: <laughs> I like that uh, you're implying that we get uh, that this show makes money in some way, shape, or form.
1: <laughs> but yet, still, I somehow get a bigger cut than he does. That's right. That's and I'm right. not a
0: world famous. Fortnite it's player. it's that
1: bus that bus pass is what you're saying. It's a free bus pass. On this episode, Free Fire is giving PUBG more to worry about, Valve finally gets smart about auto chess, Rainbow Six continues to expand, and FaZe is accused of being a little bit greedy. But first, Hearthstone is back to giving everyone trophies. (laughs) A little bit greedy. (laughs) Right, right, right. A a wee bit. wee bit greedy. Uh, Blizzard's Hearthstone announcements made for a confusing week for players. First, a round of nerfs hit rogues hard, and just 24 hours later, the devs announced a series of buffs across the board for each class. Because everybody gets a prize after we hit the
0: rogues too hard. So we're like, hey, over here. Oh, look, shinies. There wasn't even like enough time, in all honesty, to go from like, okay, how are these going to play out? Well, it was basically just nerf rogue. but And then it was me like, wait, what is this? That's what they're doing. They're distracting you from nerfing rogue.
1: So this is a ton of changes. Obviously, it has a material impact on the meta in that they viewed rogues to be super overpowered, only really had one good counter in their uh, minds as far as sub-warrior decks. What do you think about all these changes? Um, I think, oh, by the way, I just bought three
0: more cards. Okay, sweet. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think these changes are really solid. I would love to have seen a little bit more of a ding to warrior, but you know, I think it, what they're, they're looking at the numbers in some way, shape, or form saying that maybe warrior isn't as bad as they assume. Um, but the thing that really kind of hit warrior here was the, the, Nerf essentially to um, uh, Archivist Elysiana. Basically, just increasing it by one mana allows it not to be played and bumped back into hand in the same time, unless yep. you're the warrior who goes second and saves it, uh, saves your coin until the very end. Yep. But ultimately, it's that is, I think after having to cast and a lot of the casters being annoyed by the all uh, the all warrior, but like maybe one player. Playing one opposite deck of them of warrior uh, matchup that happened over this past weekend. Uh, that That's the challenge. Of they get new to, format. This right? new format was was legit. I think they showed it was like twelve people playing, and I'm almost dead certain that there was uh, maybe one person playing rogue, one person playing hunter, and then ten people or something like that playing warrior. Was the hunter player just being ironic? Uh, I, I don't know. They're actually doing decent, I guess. I, they must have if they were getting there. Uh, but it was just—it it was awful. It was, uh, and because of this, Elysiana really just gives that warrior more gas and makes those mirrors longer, even. And it's not like a total meta-defining card, but it, it basically says, okay, it's almost a near-infinite deck at that point in time when you can keep just replaying and, and, and yep. redoing your deck. Uh, so I, I like that nerf. I don't think that's the problem with Warrior, but... Um, sure. Yeah, I think it's helpful, but... Pour one out for preparation, by the way. Yeah. So, well, if you think about it, everything... Prep has been a pain in their side for a while, so every... every- Spell that rogue has received has always been with the caveat like how does this play out with prep right and prep right. is such a huge card that is being well, used in almost every manner reduction like just completely changes how For you free. have to view a card yeah yeah it's like it's a lot of ramp uh, and a lot of value and so they're seeing that as like that's something that uh, needs to just almost. <laughs> Not completely go away, but it, it got a heavy
1: nerf. I mean, yeah, I mean, t- taking it to reduce it by two instead of reduce it by three makes a pretty significant difference.
0: It's it's enough, right? It's If, if anything, it is a turn's difference for when they get to make that swinging play yeah, um, and yeah. allow someone to they either have to uh, stay alive longer, uh, maintain control of the board a little bit longer, whatever it may be, before they, that swing turn it happens. It potentially shortens those bigger combos that it allowed, right? Where you could string a bunch right, of the cards yeah. together, like that one
1: extra mana, much like we just talked about with Warrior King. Can make a difference oh yeah absolutely so I, I
0: it only took them like five years to figure it out <laughs> i know really uh i mean evil miscreant the the decrease in health there was actually a a solid uh choice as well um it's while it's not it doesn't seem on the surface like a huge change like dropping it by one, by one health it's more uh and it's more around the fact that like as you play it uh a lot of times your opponent has played ones and two drops that have like two attack uh, and they can't trade into it and clear it off the board. So the risk of throwing it down on turn three basically means that you're still going to get a bump it back into your hand the following turn uh, because it's just not easy to take out. So dropping it by just one health makes it a little bit easier. I can tell you on multiple times like playing against that uh, in that matchup. You just, you're like, well, even if I put two damage into it, they're going to bump it back into their hand. I have to be able to clear the the turn that it comes out, uh, and it being at five is just a little too difficult. So I like that, that change as well. Now, the cool stuff is the buffs. Really, the the biggest thing here is like we, we knew Rogue was get, going to get nerfed in some way. We assumed that Warrior would, it wasn't, it's was kind of like a side nerf, not super huge, but the buff thing is never Happened. It's part of an actual event, right? It's this Rise right. of the Bots thing that
1: they're doing, or the Rise of the Mechs that they're doing, where they're taking a card from each class, two, two, cards, two cards from cards, each class, yeah. and buffing them in some way. Now, some of these are not... Uh, I don't say they're not exciting buffs. It's not massive changes um, as far as like changing what the card physically does, but a lot of reduction in mana costs, a few uh, increase in either armor or attack power, but people seem to be really excited about this and at least somewhat distracted from the fact that rogues got the nerf bat.
0: Well, I think the reason why people are excited about it is because it is going to change up the types of decks that can be played um, because the the cards that Blizzard chose to do this with weren't cards that were already deemed as overpowered, uh, or even that really common in the meta, but have some deck defining capabilities, right? So you've got a lot of like uh, a lot of the legendary spell cards, right? So you've got like the Stormbringer um, for Shaman, uh, Flarks Boomzuka. Um, which I still don't know if it would get played. but I I'm worried about the Luna's Pocket Galaxy piece just being that Mage is probably going to get even stronger with Rogue getting nerf. Right. So, but I mean, these are cards that you kind of build decks around, uh, and they just they were smart in what they chose. I even think like the Doctor Morgan, which was often <laughs> lauded as like the worst uh, uh, Warlock legendary of this like past rotation. Right. Um, getting just a, a two cost decrease in that. That's the one where. It, it, well when um it dies it replaces itself with something in the deck yep. but it can be cool if you're able to add like another baleful banker and like double it up or like even if you partner with something along like, along the lines of, like darkest hour where it will remove itself bring something out and or actually bring out two things because of it so there's there's some cool things there like there are neat combo pieces uh, attached to it and and just dropping things by like one or two mana is, is huge and the thing is, is it refreshes the meta mid-cycle, right? We still have another month and a half or so until a new set. Got to do something to distract from that it's... Magic the Gathering set that just dropped. <laughs> right? Uh, and Magic's having its own issues. But still, it's like this is, is something that like they've finally taken to the point where they're they're utilizing the fact that they're a digital card game. And they've not really used this before, where Magic won't go through and do a total round of changes to their card game no, because they, have they do also it have a printer. essentially, right? right. Well, they also they also want parity between what you're playing in game and what you play with the actual cards. Yep. So where Hearthstone doesn't have to deal with that 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 limitation or that extra baggage essentially. Uh, it's not really baggage, it's printing money, but um, it, so I think that this is smart. They're taking advantage of the refresh in the meta. Uh, they're doing it on a set and they said that this is just going to be a temporary increase. It's just mixing things up for another month. It's equivalent to having like a, a, a different play mode in some ways. It's, it's super smart. I'm surprised that it's taken them five years to get here. Yeah, because um, they,
1: in the beginning, and they still do this, Like, there's mechanics in Hearthstone that are easier to pull off because right. of the fact that it's a digital game. And it would be really, really hard or complicated or convoluted to be able to do it with the physical game. But that's different than what you're describing, which is more about like how can we literally just change the cards that you have in your deck yesterday to something completely different today you know, on a semi-permanent or permanent basis, to just shake the whole world up right. and make the game more interesting until the next set comes along. And it is kind of shocking they haven't found more mechanisms mm-hmm. or been willing to do more mechanisms to do this type of thing. Uh, the question is is, how does the competitive scene feel about this type of thing happening? Like It, it potentially blows things up near a tournament or some sort of you know, fireside gathering, or depending on the level that you're playing at, it does have a pretty material impact that you normally would not be preparing to see a change for.
0: I mean, I think right now anybody will do anything to get Warrior out of just being the only thing that is being played in Open Cups uh, and, and having to sit through 15 hours of playing games just to maybe qualify. It's I I, I think this is a good thing. It's a refreshing thing for the meta uh, and for people playing. I'm excited that they're doing it. I would like to see them do it more. I don't know how it is going to affect um, the players essentially going forward uh and from a competitive play standpoint i know and how long that ex- does this last is this reverts when the next th- set comes out i think they actually are just doing it for like the the month period mm. it might be just the month period i'm not I, I i remember having this question finding the answer and now i've forgotten the answer so i'm sorry what i'm kind a bad of host are you i'm a bad host man i just <laughs> anyways I, I think it's good future. i think it's good but uh and They've also they're also doing the rotation for the season, uh, for um, uh, arena as well. So it's going to be all like the goblins versus gnomes. It's all about a mech themed month. Basically. All about the mechs, and you get a free card out of it. Gotta love snip free snap. Times.
1: I like free stuff. Snip snap. Jeez. Snip snap. That's the name of the card, man. That's great. Sounds like something you do when you don't want to have children anymore. Moving on, Rainbow Six Siege is expanding once again with their latest update, Operation Phantom Site, which also includes a revamped map and two new operators, so Nook and Warden. They bring some interesting mechanics to the game. This is your favorite game that you never have any time to play. Right. What are your thoughts about specifically first these two new operators? I
0: I think Warden has some solid it is more playable than Nook. Um, so Nook has the ability to kind of glitch and go invisible, can't be seen, uh, from like cameras. Uh, can if if she takes damage, steps on something, does some like, a yeah, major there's definitely action. a
1: lot of uh, butts to her stealth ability,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, essentially being able to stealth through it is very much a, a stealthy, like flanking attacker. Um, also has a, a very similar ability to Caviera, which is the ability to go silent step. Yeah. I don't think it lasts as long. Um, but i mean, still can deal a decent amount of damage with shotguns right so it's a, a solid essentially a flanking attacker in that standpoint you don't get the intel b- ability that caviera gives you where you can find out where everybody's located on the map for a split amount of time or a short amount of time but i still don't think it's that strong and i don't see her really gaining that much uh, playability however def- on the other end defensively warden plays really well into just about <laughs> any meta because Warden has the ability to uh, flip on his glasses and th- see through things like uh, he can he can see, see through flashes yep. see through smoke. They even said he can move the flashes if he has the glasses on when they go off. Remove yeah he yeah. can remove them. So if if he's been flashed he can kick them on and it will take it away so he's no longer flashed and that's super important because he's able to. Um, be a better defensive player of holding down a corner uh, when somebody kind of breaches through with, say, like uh, thermite or Hibana. They they they're expecting to have cover. Um, and unless you were able to kind of find, find from drones earlier on that they have a warden, you may be jumping into a kill box in a lot of ways. So uh, I think he's got a a decent surprise factor if he, if he's able to hide out. And he can protect himself from
1: surprise. There's a lot of moves that people use to enter rooms thinking that the person is going to be unable to see them or unable to react. And he's just going to be standing there like, yeah, pop him in the face.
0: Now, and the one thing I like that they did do is they limit it to where if he's moving, it doesn't work so he has to be strictly kind of like holding a corner right. so if he's like running and he kicks it on uh he's not going to be able to see through the smoke so it's it, it it's a lot the like polarizing filters in some ways is how right. they're thinking about it but, but it yeah.
1: makes him it, that's the defensiveness of this right because it would have a very different effect if he right. could run with the glasses on and be able to just go through a smoke screen for right. example and just and and flank or attack
0: yeah that puts him definitely in like a different uh Kind of category at that point, but just the ability to kind of hold those angles and hold down uh, rooms and peek through and not have to worry about getting blinded. I, I think it's. I think he's a solid choice, especially in the in this current meta uh, where you, a lot of times you see people like Thermite. Uh, and Hibana, just like the main Breachers, is being almost core to that attacking group. Uh, And it's usually almost followed up with, like, Smokes and Flashes, and he can do it. So I think it's uh, it's their answers to uh, Overwatch's GOATS meta in a lot of ways. Apparently. Yeah. Uh,
1: The one other thing that I thought was interesting about Nook is the stealth ability feels very powerful at first glance, but actually, with all the limitations they put on her, like... She can only have certain things going on that won't cause her to glitch, and there's a ton of things she can do that will cause her to glitch. There's tons of things you can do against her to cause her to glitch. There's specific cameras that can still see her. So it is pretty limited, and it's not going to be as OP as it sounds on the surface. They're just like, oh, she'll just stealth around corners and, and right, take somebody right. out. Like You have to be strategic and slow. You can't run. You have to walk at normal speed or less in order to not glitch out. Uh, there's things like the caltrops and thing that can uh, slow her down and also cause her to glitch. Like, multiple times I saw with one of the special abilities, like, pulling thorns out of her ankle. And like So yeah, it's, a, yeah. it, it's just... I think you're right in that she's definitely the weaker of the two here just from like, you know, 50,000 foot view having not played her yet. Just looking at all the limitations of her ability and given that her as an attacker, she's supposed to be mobile. And she's supposed to be able to go in and take rooms and flank. And this her ability doesn't necessarily lend itself as well to that as wardens does to being able to hold a room alongside some. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think depending on I mean, if you get a um, I think as the match or the round progresses, Uh, and they have less utility against her, she'll become kind of increasing in power, right? Because early on, they have, you know, if they have the ability to check cameras or whatever it may be, uh, or get that intel of just like hearing where people are, like she can get around that a little bit, but she's definitely in a weaker state there but it as takes you go for a lot of synergy on, in
1: order to make her work
0: yeah, yeah uh, well also but uh, to defend against her uh, because as you get further in there and you, it's just you and one other person you're not checking cameras as often you don't right. you know and so but her, her ability to, to blow wire will be fine yeah exactly yeah it. i think she i think uh, i think the there's some interesting choices here that they've chosen, that they've decided to go with. Choices they've chosen. Cho- there you go. They've chosen those choices. The, the best chose- choices you could choose. Yeah, I think it's cool. I
1: I you know, we've been Rainbow Six fans for a while. I wish I had more time to play the game. It steadily just can, maintains its audience on the esports fronts because they do cool things like this. Yeah. Moving on, Valve officially announced a company-supported version of Dota 2 Auto Chess. In a blog post this week, Valve stated that a purchase agreement could not be reached with DRODO Studio, the original makers of the mod, back in February. However, they did agree to continue working together on both the mod and mobile app going forward. Uh, Not a ton of information around when Valve's version is going to hit Steam, but we do know it's a standalone version. Is this surprising? I think I made the comment to you when I read the statement that it felt like one of those hostage statements where (laughs) it's like, look at the camera and tell them everything is fine.
0: Yeah, it, it really kind of does. But uh, what this is what what happened is I think Droto figured that they, they actually have the leg up here, right? So so many people have been drawn to Dota 2 or continue to engage with Dota 2 from a number standpoint. That is largely related to the, what, I think 8 million people that are following this mod, right? It's something just 6 a few, or 8 million. Just a few. Just a few. Uh, and so when you have that much power, Droto realize like, oh, we don't have to give it up. Um, and if they do valve isn't going to be able because valve works on valve time turn out something quick enough that will um, be able to do it. but Drodo still wants the money that they're making off of the mod. They still want the money right. and they and they still want to continue uh, they don't want to get shut down or anything. I'm sure there's something to do with 10 cent and all this or somebody's some Chinese company somewhere uh, or maybe even valve just decided they'd rather go. <laughs> buy out this other company who's publishing it or has bought in uh, on them i i don't know there's some kind of deal where valve sees it as uh we would lose a lot more money by you s- by fighting you on this mod uh than we would if you just continued it and then once we have our own we'll just call it good i imagine it's a very sticky situation as far as
1: it uses Dota property, which is Valve's property, but it is a completely new game mechanic that could arguably be say that it was created by DRODO. Now, as we know, you can't patent necessarily a genre of games, right? Like you can't say nobody can make Bobas, but yeah. it's just interesting because it feels like both sides have a little bit of power, but not enough to really push. Because Valve also has to look at it as this draws eight million people, yeah, into uh, Dota Two and that's a lot of players to potentially uh, alienate if you end up doing something to either piss them off or it goes to another platform or whatever the case may be. But there's also apparently not enough power on Drodo's side to be able to stop Valve from basically just making the same game themselves right. because they don't they, they do not do a whole lot to differentiate their version from theirs. They literally just say it's a standalone version of the game, which is going to look like Dota 2 auto-chess, but just not a mod in a standalone uh, entry in Steam. Both sides feel like that
0: these are like half solutions to the problem. I'm almost wondering if Valve maybe came to the agreement that you know with DRODO that DRODO will just stick to just the mobile version. Right, uh, and they won't Possibly. pursue them or whatever it may be, uh, and Valve will, will go with with desktop. So maybe there is something there because there's nothing saying that Valve is going to create a mobile version of it. Right. it just says that they're going to build their own standalone game. There's they, not they a can lot make of a mobile here. version of the game that needed one. Well, I don't know if I trust them to make much of anything anymore. But, eh, uh, anyways, sure. no, I mean it's not really that bad. But still, I don't see them coming out with anything in a timely manner. I feel like DRODO probably had the upper hand in this. Uh, Valve just chose the route that probably is the best from a damage control. Yeah, it sounds like a non-deal. Standpoint. Yeah, and uh, but the fact that like yeah, we both agreed. We re- we we couldn't come to an agreement about working together so we decided to work together (laughs) yeah they're not really working together really what valve is
1: saying is we're going to go make our own version and there's nothing drodo can do about it but we're going to make it seem like that was an amicable uh yeah
0: and it's weird that this is coming out uh now in may and that all happened in like february so yeah yeah Uh, anyways weird Speaking of games eating
1: other games as lunch, Free Fire is after PUBG on mobile. So, this is something that I didn't, I've heard of Free Fire, I've seen it. I did not realize its numbers had grown so ridiculously. And these are not just numbers as far as like general streaming numbers, these are esports numbers where there's a Free Fire event that actually peaked at a million viewers. For a mobile right. esports title, right. which is more than what we've seen in PUBG. And PUBG has invested pretty heavily in mobile esports, it has a pretty large prize pool, I think $600,000 prize pool for their mobile esports events, which is a big deal for mobile. But off comes Free Fire, and the people at PUBG are just be like, God, can, is anything going to work out? There's like, oh man, Free Fire on mobile and Fortnite on desktop, and then Fortnite on mobile. It's like, what are we going to do? This game actually launched, what, three months before uh, PUBG launched on mobile? So it, right. it just feels like they can't get a leg up, and everybody just is stealing the genre
0: away from them. <laughs> if there was any any group that wished they could just patent a genre and and not, yeah, like, no shit. not let other people in, it would be them. Uh, no, I, it's true. They're having a – PUBG Corp is having a, a bad year, uh, year and a half, two years even. I don't know. It's like – they had it in front of them. Um, it is Other people have just moved faster than they have and innovated in that space. Uh, they just lost out in China, which is not a good thing. Uh, and so, What are you talking about? I love having people wave goodbye and then poof into flowers <laughs> when I shoot them. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, so they've basically lost control in China. They're out, of, out in China, and that was still about $30 million. They, they weren't making a ton of money because they couldn't really monetize it there anyways. Yep. So Have they released the numbers since it switched to, what is it, Game of Peace? Uh, n- no, no, I that's, see that's, numbers. well, that will fall under Tencent's earnings anyway. So, uh, I think they just announced earnings a little bit ago. So By the way, do you know months. Tencent does movies too? It does not surprise me. Uh, the new Terminator movie. Oh, Tencent. really? Yeah. Interesting yeah, Tencent times. Studios. Huh. All right. Well, the more They're you everywhere. know, rainbows everywhere. Everywhere. But I mean, this is this is cool. That I mean, there uh, there are multiple mobile games out there that have a decent following. But I've not seen. Well, I'm sure there's been one, but I've not seen uh, something kind of fly so far under the radar yet have uh, you know a an average viewership of 630 thousand for their tournament and then a peak at one million.
1: And Free Fire on the surface just looks like a really bad foreign clone of PUBG. Like, it's it's got that same kind of, you know, when uh, Clash Royale was big or when Clash of Clans yeah, was big, yeah. there was all these things copying the art style. Uh, Free Fire kind of looks like that for PUBG, but clearly uh, has something on their hands. And a lot of what they were talking about was the games are shorter. It's usually an average of 10 minutes. There's some elements to death where they don't just instantly die and you have to you continue to kill them after they go down that they just find more interesting from an esports perspective. Uh, but. Hard
0: to argue with a million peak viewers for mobile. Yeah. I mean, when you put it in comparison to PUBG running a similar uh, tournament, doing something in the neighborhood of what, like 400,000 average, I think, and 630 peak? Yep. Or 6... No, sorry, 174 average, 175 average, and 418 peak. So their peak did not even hit the average. Sad times. Yeah. Poor PUBG. I'm sorry. I I love PUBG, um, but it's inventory management Royale. And I think that's his biggest problem right now. It has to be, it's just, it's so much of for I, people getting into the game. I also think it's a game. string of problems with pub G, right? Well, it was, they, they, yeah, it was
1: hard to play. Um, even on mobile is a, a perfect example. Uh, one of the things about free fire is a free fire, Plays very well on all types of hardware, which is, we know, very important to being popular outside of the U.S. When you get in like Southeast Asia and China, where the hardware yeah. is not necessarily as powerful as the mobile phones we carry around, uh, it's important that it can be played. And as we know with PUBG on practically anything, <laughs> you uh, have trouble playing it. Like I have a pretty beastly PC, and even mine can't get a perfect frame rate on it. Like
0: it's yeah. it, so it, 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 it carries the same problems over to mobile. It's in its best shape um, from a uh, FPS standpoint, but still it's got. Some input lag prob- problems. It's not the most consistent, uh, but it is in the best condition that's probably ever been in. Problem is, it just got there about a year. Yeah, I was going to say it
1: took them like a year of bug fixes essentially yeah, to get there. Yeah. Uh, so We
0: mentioned this at the top of the show.
1: Popular streamer and competitive Fortnite player Tifu has entered into a legal battle with FaZe Clan over a contract that he signed last year. Uh, him and his lawyer claim that the contract is, quote unquote, oppressive and essentially illegal in the state of California. Uh, meanwhile, banks from FaZe states that they've taken only a small amount of Tifu's earnings, far below what the contract entitles them to, which is interesting because they're not saying that the contract doesn't state that. They're just saying that we have not taken as much as he says that we have taken. Uh, this is a ton of drama. This is a new thing to esports we see this kind of crap play out on youtube all the time right. uh the multi-network stuff was always a big issue the demonetization issues all these things have happened on youtube but this is kind of the the collision of the two worlds because it is not specific to youtube but tfue does do a lot of his work on youtube a lot of the videos that are being taxed by this contract are done so because he's a content creator for phase right. and he's putting this stuff up on youtube The numbers are ridiculous. He's claiming as high as 80% in some cases, while also getting first right of refusal uh, for specific partnerships where they can basically say, oh, this is a conflict of interest for us, so we do not want you to do this. Where do you fall on this? Because it's also kind of hard to be sympathetic
0: towards him in the way that he's talking about the situation. But where does your take? Uh, I think – so first off, I'm not a huge fan of, of Banks from FaZe. I think he uh, – I'm, and I'm not even a, a huge fan how either one of them are technically handling this in a lot of ways. I, I feel, feel like a, prepared speech I, that he did was great. I, both of them with their prepared speeches and their damn jump cuts. Um uh, especially banks. Uh, anyways, so uh, I mean, historically, banks has done some just dumb stuff. Uh, he's definitely blown things uh, out of proportion. Doesn't surprise me that he was essentially at the root of this awful contract. Uh, so to give you a little bit of history, um, banks basically feels like they made uh, banks and Vase feel like they made Tifu or that they, they made Tifu, right? Uh, And in doing so, they took him from someone who was getting an average of, like, a hundred people maybe watching them to the, like, topping Ninja in some Fortnite streams, right? So doing – being, like, basically now the most popular Fortnite streamer, uh, the – and and also getting them opportunities like into uh, more tournaments and such because they're associated with phase all these random things. It's like getting a bad rookie
1: contract and getting really good
0: really quickly and being stuck with that bad rookie contract. Right, right, and that's essentially what Tifu is now. It's just the worst rookie contract ever. Uh, so to give you an example, I think on average, when if you go to like for a talent agency um uh i think i can't remember it's like something something an artist whatever talent uh there's like an actual yeah there's a
1: a, essentially a union or an association within california kind of like the uh, screen actors guild and the and the writers guild and whatnot uh, that you can be a part of that sets a lot of the maxes on these type of contracts
0: yeah and i think they're essentially um to stop agencies from preying on on Talent and, and entertainers and such, uh, they put it, they usually cap that right around like the average is about ten to fifteen percent, like tops. Uh, he's giving up a minimum of fifty percent and a maximum of eighty. Now, to give you an example, like so, FaZe gets a 50-50 split on the creator code money that is used in Fortnite. It's rumored that Tifu makes about is is projected to make about ten million dollars. On just that creator code. Jesus, I'm in the wrong line, uh, Right? Right? Why are we talking about this stuff? This I need to start brushing up on Fortnite. Anyways, uh, then they also get about an 80-20 split on almost every other deal. So 80% goes to phase. I was going to say, it's yeah, 80, not his direction. Right, right. So that means that if he wins a tournament, they get 80% of that money. If, if he gets a, a sponsorship contract, if he brings it to them... Then they split it 50-50. If they find it, then it goes 80-20. Yep. Now, and then they can also say, we don't want you to do this deal, period. Right, right, right. And they also have the ability to also just knock, knock him away from it. They also, I think, uh, there was something around if he was to terminate the contract, they could go through and recoup anything that he technically owes them. Uh, for like the course of – and he cannot compete – or stream or do anything for six months, like ridiculous. So the problem is, is that uh, uh, two things: one, Tifu is entered into the World Cup could possibly win millions of dollars, which is really why this is coming up. Yes, because he's had this contract for the beginning. Yeah, and and this contract is is incredibly oppressive. I, I agree with that piece. The other thing is, is that Faze has walked into uh, by by taking chunks of his money while streaming. That is considered. It could be considered as him being a, a, a essentially performance, right? therefore falling in under either taking more than that allotted 15% and could then disqualify this contract as being invalid because it's, it's above. Because it's
1: covered by the agreements of this particular <laughs> right.
0: organization. Yeah. So long story short, uh, it, there will be a precedent set from this if it does play out in actual courts. Uh, outside the precedent of, like, these two are just children fighting uh, in a lot of ways. But well, again- because you know when this contract was signed, we've talked about this before
1: with esports players, but when you're young and you're new to esports or you're new to streaming and somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, we're going to pay you to do this, you're just excited and it's probably making more money than you ever thought you were going to make, period, let alone from playing video games right. for a living. And they are taken advantage of to a certain degree, uh, because you could argue, well, if, if let's just say Tifu didn't work out, and he was only going to ever peak at a few thousand viewers, and he was going to make, I don't know, fifty thousand dollars a year, like they're basically saying, weren't going to make a ton of money from getting eighty percent of that anyway. And you say, what well, would it have hurt to just have a normal like twenty percent cut? But right. they could come back and argue, well, then we wouldn't have gotten into the contract in the first place. The reason why it has this high of a cut is because in order for us to support him, we need to be making that much money from him based on what he was making at the time we signed the contract. So. Right. Don't sign long contracts. I think is the real situation here.
0: But yeah, well, and that's and that's part of the thing too. Is so if you look at it from like a traditional like sports contract standpoint, they don't usually negotiate in things like sponsorship directly to you that you bring them whatever may be, like outside agency stuff. Yeah, it's not it's like oh AJ. LeBron gets a Nike deal for right, the rest of right. his life, and the Cavaliers for all eternity will get like forty percent of that. Exactly. So they don't negotiate that kind of stuff. They don't negotiate. Uh, things outside of the actual sports itself, right? Though they do have some conflict of interest stuff.
1: Uh, we especially see this in world football, where it's like you can't like have this particular brand uh, that you're wearing because the team is sponsored by that. There right. were some basketball players that got in trouble uh, because there was a Nike sponsorship for the jerseys, but they were shaving like Adidas three stripes in their head, right?
0: And stuff like that. Yeah. So there, I, those things I can understand because I, it still affects the organ which you're essentially originally tied but it's to. Not like
1: Faze has a lot of right things that conflict with. Yeah,
0: and so a lot of all those things are still baked into it. even like winning uh when you usually in in traditional sports winning something like the the world series whatever you actually get a bonus for doing that right, right. granted the the uh the entity, the team itself, gets a lot more money through like broadcasting rights and stuff. They're yeah, making, making them it mentality. deeper in the playoffs, ticket sales. Right, so. but it's not. It's not like you're winning a prize, and that's the thing. Is like so this esports uh, from an esports standpoint, especially these organizations, they tend to ingrain themselves a little deeper and a little more into what the the player does with their time outside of being competitive. Uh, that is problematic and that's the thing where like especially uh i think it was xqc recently said there will never be a a good balance between playing professionally uh and maybe not getting kicked off and no, <laughs> whatever no, with the know. team but like there, it's really hard to find a good mix of, of playing professionally and streaming and not wanting those organizations they know that there's money in streaming, and so they and want a chunk more of that. money and, and yeah, more guaranteed consistent. money, right? Yes. Wouldn't
1: you rather make $100,000 in revenue every single month from a streamer that's constantly pulling in the same crowd as opposed to betting it all on a team that may not make any money or right. you're paying to be franchised into a league that you don't win any prize money from or whatever yeah. the case may be? Uh, it's also interesting in that you have to start asking yourself, what really is the value here, right? Is the, is the promotional machine behind Phase? really the reason why tfue got big or is it because tfue is really good at fortnite and there's there's an argument to be made there as well
0: well there's another random piece of drama going around saying that tfue essentially wants to create his own esports org and brand which would be in direct competition with face and that's one of the reasons why they don't want to let him out of the contract again drama around every corner uh, is it a crap contract absolutely are people acting like children Absolutely. Does something need to be done to regulate it from an industry standpoint? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's basically but my feelings on it. it. But you signed it. But you signed it. Like, yeah.
1: it, it sucks. And I'm not saying this is a good contract. but
0: It won't hold up in court. It won't. There's, I, I don't see it.
1: I, I would also argue that at the
0: time, given his situation – it wasn't the worst deal for him no, financially, he, I imagine. But the funny part is he, it, it was uh, him getting paid $2,000 a month to stream and using basically under FaZe's banner. But uh, some people even point out like you can watch the minute he got announced as being part of FaZe just skyrocketed. So FaZe, did they make him in a lot of ways? Yeah, I can agree. Did.
1: Like I mean, he also is a great player. I mean, he's one of the best, if not the best Fortnite player in the world. So there's an element of that. that but in the early days he would not have got discovered as a streamer if it were not for FaZe. Yeah, I get it. Lastly, in CSGO... Gambit Esports has put its competitive CS:GO plans on hold. In a tweet yesterday afternoon, the org cited issues with finding compatible players to fill out the remaining roster spots and with the deadline for major qualification looming. It would be best to put the plans on ice until later this fall. The post also mentioned that they're open to offers for current members of the team. Overall, do you think this is the right strategy
0: for Gambit Esports? Uh, you I, I I would say yes. If it wasn't for the fact that they're totally letting go of the team, and I understand w- why they're doing it. Now, this doesn't affect Gambit youngsters, so they're still going to continue with this. I believe we talked about this a couple weeks ago when they I hope so, they formed they Signed my three-year deal. <laughs> yeah, right. Two thousand dollars a month, baby. Yes. That's right. Uh, creator code monies here we come. I got my Gunner glasses. I'm sponsored. Uh, that's right. And and your ball wipes. There you go, my
1: friend. Look at that. This show has brought <laughs> me so much glory. It's just a shame that E-League takes 80%. That 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 one little corner of a ball wipe just didn't do me any good.
0: <laughs> what? All right. Anyways, uh, Pixar didn't happen. Anyways, no, I think uh, – so, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I was going to say something really incriminating and bad. Let's just go back to what we were actually talking about here. We almost made it to um, the end of the show. Almost. I was going to say something way worse. Uh, was yeah? So is it the right move? Uh, if you can't find the right fit, and that's what they're talking about. They can't find – they're wanting to create an all-Russian group, uh, all-Russian speaking group as well. They can't seem to find the correct person to fit in there. So instead of assembling a – A competitive team that just happens to not speak Russian. Well, no. Instead of a, a – a, putting together a team that doesn't uh, work well together isn't uh, isn't competitive basically um, doesn't have an opportunity to to make the winnings that it should uh, it, they would rather just not feel that team put it on ice, if they want to go, basically either loan their players out or sell them outright. They didn't really say that they're would. they op- outright selling them, but they could... Open to offers. Open to offers. I mean, I'd rather mean that something. than they just sit there literally on ice and do nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what Optic did for like the longest time, right? Yep. They, they sat on some players. And that sucks for those players because they can't play competitively and they want to be playing. Well,
1: and there's four players affected by this. We're not talking right. about like, oh, we only had one or two people left on the roster.
0: Right, they, they're effectively looking for really like a a minimum of one other person, but usually you want to have another backup at least. So they needed another two people and they just can't seem to find it. And there was a lot of questions. I believe when they, they did gambit youngsters, Uh, we had talked about this before they created this uh, basically academy team, but still hadn't fielded an actual roster themselves. Uh, And so this is, uh, I mean, it's, it's good that they want to bring up talent. Uh, The, the youngster teams will continue to go, but I mean, they saw the problems. They can't find top tier talent. Well, clearly, they don't feel like the youngsters are there yet, and they don't. They don't feel it. So, and I, I think they do have talent. People like Doja. I think if, if somebody said, "Would Doja be able to find a, a home somewhere?" I think so. Um, I, I mean, they have strong a strong lineup. Um, I almost say for that region, but they have a strong lineup, and they could do better. Uh, finding that fit is, seems to be pretty hard. But they they've had moments of just being like. Just craziness. I guess we'll Um, see in the fall. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Super weird. That's going to do it for this week. You can catch us each and every week on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're over there, leave us a five-star review because you never know when you'll lose the chance to. Yeah, we'll, sp- we'll split those five-star reviews with the 80-20. How oh, that man. sound? Great. I don't you want to try to do the math on what – what would that be, like a half-star?
0: I think that's technically four stars, but yeah. But we'll take five. Just go Wait, five, do go we five. get the 80 or do they get the 80? I, I don't I know. I really should
1: have read this contract. <laughs> oh, man. And, of course, if you want to tell us the answer to this mathematical problem, you can uh, do so directly over at our Discord at discord.eleagreport.com. That's going to do it until next week. We'll be back with another episode of The e